And now I would like to introduce the fabulous, fantastic, one and only Reverend Patrick Cameron, our spiritual leader. Beautiful. I have asked uh, Reverend Julie to do our opening prayer this morning, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead us in a song. So, Man, I told her to kick up the introduction, and she did. So, Not really, but I'm going to go with it anyway. I agree. I agree, I agree, I agree. Thank you. So, if you'd like to stand and sing, fantastic. If you'd like to stay seated, do so. The rest of you, if there's somebody sleeping next to you, try not to wake them up if you get, stand up. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love. And quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit is in this very room. In this very room. In this very And so I know that there is one power, one presence, one life. I know and affirm that it is the creator of all that has been, of all that is, and of all that is yet to be. It created me in its likeness, with its power with its purpose. And this day I claim that I move forward in this brand new, magnificent day with all of that power and purpose flowing through me as the infinite expression of the divine. I know that my life, starting right now, is unlike anything that has gone before me. And I step boldly and confidently into this day and each day that follows, creating the life of my dreams. I know that my good does not take away from anybody else's good, that there is more than enough for all of us because this is a universe of absolute, magnificent abundance, and I claim that which is mine right here and right now. And I give absolute thanks for this teaching, for this center, for Reverend Patrick, and for each person that's present here today because it is by right of consciousness that I am here. And I know that I leave today with some transformational piece of information, some thought, some idea that just propels me forward. And I know that the universe conspires in my favor in every good, fabulous way. And for all of this, I give thanks. And I release these words to the law, knowing that all of this is already so, that this gathering is a success in the mind of the one, and it is an absolute success right here and right now. I let go and let God, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you, Reverend Julie.
You know, it's, it's uh, profoundly interesting. In the last two weeks, I've invited our presiders to do our opening treatment, and it's been profoundly um, interesting to be, have, to be in that experience from my perspective and to partner in prayer like that in this gathering. It's just quite beautiful. So I thank all of them because they, I just invite them the morning they show up. So now I'm sure they're all practicing a prayer on the way over when they come. But it's quite beautiful and I, I love it. So anyway, I just find it just such a, uh, um, a wonderful vibration, a wonderful opportunity. So good morning. Today's uh, sharing is entitled Let, Letting Go of the Rice. And it is inspired by Mark Nepo's uh, March 7th writing. Someone asked me the date and I didn't recall. I thought it was the 17th, I told them. But I said it's in March somewhere. And then at the beginning of it, it's, it says in Mark Nepo's book, let me back up for those of you who are here for the first time or weren't here last week, it's The Book of Awakening. And he wrote this back in, golly, sometime in the late 90s, I believe. But it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, book. And in it he writes... Uh, let go of the rice. In a world that lives like a, a fist, mercy is no more than waking with your hands open. So much more can happen with our hands open. In fact, closing and stubbornly maintaining our grip is often what keeps us stuck. And though we want to blame everything and everyone else, especially what we're holding on to. There's an ancient story from China that makes all this very clear. It stems from a way traps were set for monkeys. A coconut was hollowed out through an opening that was cut to the size of a monkey's open hand. And rice was then placed in the carved out fruit which was left in the path of the monkeys. And sooner or later a hungry monkey would smell the rice and reach its hand in. But once fisting the rice, the hand could no longer fit back out through the opening. The monkeys that were were caught were those that would not let go of the rice. So anybody ever reached into the coconut, metaphorically, and not let go of the rice? As long as the monkey maintained its grip on the rice, it was a prisoner of its own making. The trap worked because the monkey's hunger was the master of its reach. The lesson for us is profound. We need to always ask ourselves, what is our rice and what is keeping us from opening our grip and letting it go? Reverend Julie, at the end of her treatment, said, I let go, and I let God. And so in our spiritual practice of affirmative prayer, so when you hear the word treat, because sometimes we think everybody knows what we're talking about, it's an affirmative prayer. And it is a treat. It's a treat in your life. It's like a a caramel apple with the nuts on top, only it's a a prayer with a caramel apple and the nuts on top. It's a treat. Huh? Maybe that's my banner with a caramel apple. Huh? It was a hamburger for a while. Somebody wanted to do that. Anyway, we're talking about the banners on the side, and people are always throwing out suggestions for what my banner should be one day. So far, we've got carameled apple now and a hamburger, so one or the other. What I wanted to share with you from that, what really uh, stirred up for me this week was, and last week I talked about parables. I talked about this life of this amazing teacher, this courageous, uh, amazing man that lived about 2,000 years ago, was a renowned consciousness on the planet. He had a mystical experience, and he tried to share that and impart that with others. And what he knew was that people didn't know who they were, which confused him after a while, because once you reach a level of awareness, he's like, well, don't you understand? You are the thing itself. You are God, individualized. And so I talked about Jesus last week, and I used the parable of the, the casting of the seeds, the broadcasting of the seeds, and what it takes for those seeds to take hold. And the metaphor and the 
metaphysical interpretation of what I felt was appropriate for that story. And so I wanted to build on that a, a bit this week. I wanted to talk more about his parables because he was so brilliant. He was a wordsmith, and he understood to speak in a language of the culture and the time so people could connect and it had meaning for them. And so, but these parables have such great meaning for us in our lives. And we are... our. Tradition, we honor all traditions. But Dr. Holmes, our founder, was greatly influenced by the life of Jesus. And so much of what we, and how he studied healing, how he studied the transformation of consciousness, was very much based on what was modeled by the teacher Jesus. And as as Jesus said, these things I have done, ye shall do an even greater. What does that mean? Well, how do I shift into that consciousness? How do I make myself available to that experience? So these parables that I've been sharing last week and this week, and I'm thinking about doing the mustard seed next week, but it's only like three lines, so I got my work cut out for me, is we're inspired by the Sermon by the Sea. It was a series of talks that were put together. And he, Jesus talked many times about the kingdom of heaven. He talked about the kingdom of heaven more times than I think any other phrase in his, in his ministry. The kingdom of heaven, as I understand it, and I believe what he was talking about, is a state of awareness. It's a state of being. It's not a geographical location. <clears throat> and he, he kept asking people the question, you do not realize who you are. He said many times, it's not I, but the, it's the Father within doing the work. But it was all an interior experience, always. And what it reflected as he uh, shared it was it was a tremendous personal, individualized peace, a grounding in peace, a grounding in quiet, and a grounding in power. And the way we encourage one another to realize that in our own lives is through our spiritual practice, which is one of them is affirmative prayer. There's one life, God's life. That life is perfect. That life is my life now. So the first two steps That's the threshold or the entry of affirmative prayer. But when you really get that, when that really starts to become real for you, when that language and the language and the experience line up, it's quite wonderful because then we stand in union. Our whole practice is about healing the separation. When we feel lost, when when we're struggling, when we're in the chaos, when we're in the suffering, when we're in the anxiety, when we're in the fear of not enough, what we've done is we've stepped out of that awareness. Most people have never stepped out of that awareness. And that is certainly not a criticism. Most, some people have not been given the gift of this beautiful teaching. But I also think many people across the planet are in beautiful teachings that, that have found a gateway to that through their own spiritual practice. That's why we honor all traditions. There are, there are, there are mystics in every tradition. So he taught in terms that people would understand. So if we read the parable, I'm going to share the parable of the wheat and the tares with you. Tares is spelled T-A-R-E-S. Mm-hmm. That's okay. You know what? I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. It's an opportunity to understand this is life. Isn't it wonderful? I think it's quite an, a compliment and wonderful that, that, that mothers and fathers can bring so many children and be part of this. And once in a while, one of them gets hungry. 
And the beauty of the way the universe is designed is it was set up so that you could bring a ready-made meal with you. I mean, is God not a genius or what? I'm loving it. I'm starting to get a little hungry too myself. <laughs> if somebody could throw me a Snicker bar, I'd be quite happy. You guys, I'm telling you. Man. I'm showing, I'm showing an example of spirit in form. That's what I love about y'all. Your imagination. So here's the, here's the parable. Come on, let's get really serious now. Let's get back to Jesus. So Jesus, I've got to read the other one first. It comes in two parts. Another parable that he put forth unto them saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and, and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. And when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, there appeared tares also. So the servants of the householder came unto him and said, Sir, didst thou not sow good seeds in the field? From whence hath these tares come? And he said unto them, An enemy hath done this. An enemy hath done this. And the servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? Should we, should we pull the tares out? And so, and you've got to stay with me now. I've got to promise not to leave for the next 20 minutes or so because I'm going to talk about stuff we never talk about. And I'm going to use terms that we never talk about, but I'm going to explain them. So if you leave at the beginning, you're going to miss it. And then you're going to be all confused. I'm, I'm threatening you with that, by the way. <laughs> but hang in there with me. Just keep breathing because it gets, it, gets, it gets clearer and clearer as we go. He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? And the master said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root root up also the wheat with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. So it's interesting, because there's so many levels of what Jesus is talking about here. It's a story about farming. It's a story about life. It's also a story about cutting our losses. We either cut our losses sometimes or it's, it's giving up the first sign of trouble. And so the question for all of us, myself included, is do I give up at the first sign of trouble? And do I get overreactive when things get difficult and then I just say, I quit. I planted this field and all this other junk came up and I quit, I'm done. So to understand the tares, it's really important to understand what kind of weed this is. Now, the tares grow exactly like wheat. So when you plant the seeds and they start to come up through the ground, you can't tell they're tares. There's no way to tell. You don't know they're tares until all of a sudden everything is ready for harvest, and the tares wrap around the weed and they start to choke it. And that's why the master said, don't go and pull them. Because he realized if we pull the tares, we're going to lose a lot of wheat. He said, wait, relax. So it's a particular kind of weed. It's a choking weed. Someone wanted to ruin the farmer, so they came in the night while he was sleeping, and they planted the tares, and he didn't know it. And what he said when he realized they were there, he said, okay, you guys, just chill out. Relax. We're going to let the tares grow along with the wheat. 
Just take it easy. Take it easy. It's going to be okay. It's all good. It's all God. Even though something has cropped up that we weren't planning on, the Master said, Wait until the outcome can be determined. Let us wait till the end of the season. And instead of destroying the whole crop, because sometimes our, our, our first knee-jerk reaction to something that unplanned happens is we've got to throw it all away. Let's burn the whole crop. And what, what Jesus is imparting to his disciples is calm down. Calm down. This is part of life. So in the, in the commentary, and this is where it gets really great, great stuff that I want you to not leave while I explain this, because he actually explains the parable. They actually, it says here, Jesus sent the multitude away and he went into the house. And his disciples came unto him and they said, and I, I, I've been waiting all night to do this, but they said, Jesus, Jesus, what are you talking about? In fact, it was the right part of day, he would go in and say, Jesus, Mary and Joseph. Which is what some of us would say in parochial school on the playground once in a while. But what he said is, <clears throat> declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. And he answered, and he said to him, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. And the field is the world. So we, he understood the nature of thought. We plant seeds. Everything is created twice. And he understood this. We sow first at the level of thought. We plant a seed in the field of the world. The good seeds are the children of the kingdom. So it's, it's a healthiness. We're living in the healthy vibration of the infinite. And those are the good seeds. Because when we're living from that, we're expressing and we're sharing our gifts and we're sharing our talents in a way that gifts everyone. The good seeds are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. Now don't keep breathing. Stay with me. I know we don't teach wicked, but I'm going somewhere. And the enemy, we don't even teach about enemies. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. Huh? Aren't you relieved to know that we, we have a definition for the devil in this teaching? Because we don't teach the devil. We don't believe in the devil. But I'll explain what I believe he was talking about. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of the world. The Son of Man, that's you and I, shall send forth angels. Angels. Angels is the conversation with the divine. When we stand and there's one life, that life is perfect, that life is God's life, that life is my life. When we really own that, all of a sudden that frequency is wide open and we listen. And we can hear, we're in the conversation, it's higher thoughts. It is keeping our thoughts and our conversation in heaven. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and that which do iniquity. When we're in alignment with that, all of a sudden we have this divine discernment to say, that doesn't serve me. That is not in alignment with who and what I am. But it's giving birth to that in our own consciousness. I shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There should be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Anybody here been wailing and gnashing their teeth lately? Because it's a very popular activity. And then shall the righteous shine forth as a son in the kingdom of their father, who hath ears to hear, let them hear. He ends almost every parable saying, he hath ears to hear, let them hear. It's a consciousness. Like last week when I talked about the, the broadcasting of seeds. The broadcasting of seeds can only be, if we're permeable, if we're open to it, if we're teachable, to realize, okay, yeah, this is a wonderful moment and there's more, more for me to know. So 
he's explaining this parable. And I'll expand on it right now. He says, we pray... My, my assessment of this, we pray feverishly when things are not going well. Have you noticed that? When you're really in crisis and you need a practitioner and you need prayer work and you're praying, you are praying nonstop. Like Paul said, pray unceasingly. What happens for us, see, what happens with these tares that go into the field, we're the ones that plant the tares. The enemy is our own lower nature that plants the tares in this crop that we expect to be beautiful and wonderful. We don't need any enemies. And the devil is the state of consciousness and awareness of confusion and anxiety and discounting one's divine nature and not recognizing that, not living from that and expressing that. And so many things have happened on the planet in our lives that justify us feeling that way. But all we do is keep ourselves from the kingdom. See, and what he says to these these servants, when they come to him and say, let's cut, let's cut the tares out, let's pull the tares. He says, don't do that. Don't do that. We're going to lose. And see, the tendency is to really, what happens when things start going sideways for us in our lives, it's very easy to give all our energy to that particular activity. And what happens is if we give up, is we lose all the good that we're surrounded by. All of a sudden, we start to identify ourselves with less than and not good enough. I don't deserve I planted this, I made this field beautiful. I planted this crop. I found the finest seeds. I went to the best practitioner at the Center for Spiritual Living in Edmonton, the largest New Thought community in Canada, the fastest growing New Thought community in Canada, and maybe the world, I don't know. But anyway, I went there. I went there for prayer, okay? And I found the finest practitioner, and I prepared it all, and I planted the seeds. And then tears came up. I suck. <laughs> and, that's, and that's when we start to burn the whole field down. That's when we just say, I can't do this. There's something inherently wrong with me. It works for other people. I've been to the classes. I've heard people have these demonstrations and manifestations in their lives, but it's not working for me. And so it's, it's so important to realize that when a terror shows up, you don't throw the whole crop out. You take your time, and you step back, and you go, wait a minute. This is for my good. This is God. And what's there for me to know here? What is trying to happen here? It's important. It's important to stay awake to our inner life. The devil is an idea used to describe a certain type of thinking, confusion and error. The mindset of the devil is called a destroyer. No devil, there is no devil. But haven't you from time to time been tempted to think like one? Do you remember the, I remember the cartoon when I was a kid, and there was a, there was a white angel on one shoulder and there was a black angel on the other? And the, and the black angel said, go ahead, do it. Come on, nobody will know. Go ahead, do it. No one will know. And the white angel's going, no, don't do it, don't do it, don't. Oh, pull her pigtails. You know, whatever it may be. Back and forth, back and forth. And what feels like after a while, I mean, for my, my experiences, feel like I've been possessed. Have you ever felt like you've been possessed? I've watched a few of you. You look like you've been possessed at times. <laughs> Diane, are you clapping at that? 
Diane's in the front clapping for possession. All right. <laughs> so, and, and the reason that, that this story gets conveyed, it's very easy to read this parable and start to believe in this idea of the devil, of an anthropomorphic or a, a devil in human form and a, and, a, and a God in human form. It's easy to see why people fall into that trap. And he's already, and he explains the parable. And that's that selective thinking and that selective reading. We get a little bit of information. We decide we've got it all. And he's not saying you do that. We never rest in the idea. Because there's always something more to know. What we do in our teaching and what this parable is instructing all of us to do is how we deal with evil in our lives. And evil, as Dr. Holmes wrote about it in the textbook, evil will exist in the world as long as enough people continue to believe in it. For many people, that is their foundational peace. And what we're doing as a, an awake and aware community is saying, that's an idea, but that idea no longer serves me. And I continue to step into, there's one life. That life is God's life. That life is perfect. That life is my life now. And to do that work. And sometimes it's, as the teacher Jesus said, it's seven times 70. To bring ourselves back to that and back to that and back to that. And so what, in our teaching... What we encourage people to do, what do we encourage people to do in our teaching, Julie Tukachuk? What do we teach her in spiritual practice? What do we teach? Telepathically, I'm picking it up and I've got it. Thank you. <laughs> what Julie is conveying to me non-verbally, thank you for being with me, is we address it one consciousness at a time. That's all we can do. All we have is our own consciousness, our own awareness. And it's such a cop-out to look at other people's lives and say, look at those guys over there. (sighs) They're awful. They're terrible. And some people think that's spiritual practice. To go around and and be the hall monitor for behavior on the planet. (laughs) Who gets to go to the restroom and who doesn't get to go to the restroom when class is the break? Whatever it may be. Look Look at the behavior. That's not spiritual practice. It's to understand that some people live in original ignorance. We are not born in original sin. We are born in original ignorance. And so our opportunity is to wake up to that. And that's exactly what the teacher Jesus was saying. The kingdom of heaven is a state of mind. We address it one consciousness at a time. Each person to learn how to think and to learn how to choose. Each person understanding the consequences of our own actions and our thoughts. Each person living consciously and choosing everything that works. And the things that don't work, manage them well. Don't panic when we've made a mistake or we feel we've made a mistake. We we, We had a plan and it went a bit sideways. Don't panic. But to step back, to step into the peace, to step into the clarity, to step into the power to say... This too is mine. This too is for good. This too is for God. And the gift in this will be revealed to me right now. And what I always do in my prayer work is say, and what I know is the infinite knows what a simple person I am, so make it really simple and really clear because I want to understand it. Don't give me a bunch of Picasso paintings in the middle of the night in a dream that'll take me 100 years to figure out. Make it simple. Each person has to learn how to think and how to choose. So this parable is a parable of hope for all of us. Because the end of the world is, is the field. The field is the world. 
And what Jesus is conveying in this parable is there are seasons. And so this crop, we planted our best seed, and there are tares that showed up. And the tares got planted because there's residual effect in our consciousness at a very subjective and deep level that could do no other thing but spring up with a new crop because it just has to because consciousness always precedes experience. And so nothing wrong has happened here. What has happened is the law is playing itself out by right of consciousness, the subjective nature of who and what we are. So when the crop, when the crop comes up, rather than freak out and burn it down, to go in and cut it, so you keep all the value, all the good, and you pull the tares out, and you collect them, and you put them in a bundle, and you throw them on the fire. Our fire is the light of consciousness. There's one life. That life is God's life. That life is perfect life. That life is my life now. It doesn't do anything to shift spirit. The essence and the vibrancy of spirit is consistent. But it shifts us. We, we, we change our thinking. But it's easy to panic. And in, the, and in it, in, in James, I think it's James 4 somewhere, he says, if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. And then Jesus says, resist not evil. So what is it? James says, resist the devil and he'll flee. And Jesus says, resist not evil. Well, if you notice the subtlety of it, James is talking about resisting the devil. And that is having the awareness to be awake enough to your life that you haven't gone to sleep because in the parable, the tares are placed in the field when they're sleeping. When we fall asleep to who we are, it's easy to start uh, entertaining these tares because they pop up and they look just like the good wheat. Can't tell the difference. They look identical until they get big enough to start choking the wheat. And how many times do we have a thought that we carry with us thinking, this is a pretty good thought. And all of a sudden you realize, you know what? This is choking out what I want to experience. I thought it was serving me. And that's part of the, 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 the mindfulness that's required. And sometimes I fall asleep right in the middle of the day. So the devil shows up as this idea, and if I catch it immediately, I can resist it, it flees. But sometimes I don't recognize it. And so then what Jesus said is don't resist it. Resist not evil. Just don't feed it anymore. It may be a crop in your consciousness for a while. And when it's time to harvest, when it's the end of the world for that thought, cut it off and separate it and burn it on this, the pile of consciousness. I used to believe that I didn't deserve. I used to believe because I made mistakes that, I'm not, that I don't belong. I used to believe that, that I wasn't deserving of love. I used to believe that I was a failure. I used to believe that, you know, all this pressure, this performance anxiety that we can put on ourselves, I used to believe all those things and more. And it is that, that and, and read the newspaper and see what's happening in the world. And so it is, it is our call to consciousness. It is our call to clarity. It is our call to a larger idea and to keep that alive. No inner progress is ever wasted. From the Bhagavad Gita, it says, Every spiritual insight lasts forever. 
Every spiritual insight lasts forever. So sometimes we go to sleep. Sometimes our mind is off guard. Sometimes the enemy sneaks in. The doomsday predictors. You're never going to get it right. You've failed again. You're ineffective. Sometimes in the middle of the day when I'm wide awake, I start hearing these voices. And so what I get to do is do spiritual practice. I told Laura the other day about something, and she said, just keep cleaning. I said, oh, yeah, that's right. So I just took that, just like the tares. We don't have to destroy the tares. What we do is we stop feeding it energy. That's what Jesus was saying about resisting it. Just look at it and say, wow, I used to believe that about myself. I'm going to love that because that brought me to this moment. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. Thank you for showing up in my experience so I can clear that. Thank you for showing, showing up in my experience. It's just the conversations we have. It's the perceptions we have in our lives. And as we start to become more and more grounded in the truth of our being, those conversations have less and less volume in our experience and less influence. So it's really about for us what to keep and what to burn. Getting rid of anything that is involved with the wailing and gnashing of teeth. When we're wailing and gnashing, we're in the anxiety and we're in the frustration, we're in the fear. The fear of we're not good enough. Life isn't good enough. There's something in the world not to, to, that we need to fear. And the fear has been a gift. The fear you can bless. So don't resist it. Pull it close and say, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. Take that little kid that lives with inside all of us that gets scared. Because when we get scared, it's a little kid inside of us. And say, you know what? Come here, buddy. Come here. Stand right here with me. I do, it, I do this every day. And say, come here, buddy. The little guy, I envisioned myself because I was, I was doing some counseling with someone. It was great for me. And I'd say, you know what? I haven't been around a long time because I didn't know how to be with you. But I'm here now. The healthy adult is here now. And so when you get scared, I understand it. But I'm here now for you. And I love you. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for this life. I'm so grateful to have you in my life. So when you start to get scared, it's that little kid. Maybe you don't like that inner kid stuff. Don't worry about it. Find your own tools and your own vocabulary. There's one life, God's life, perfect life, my life right here and right now. If you like the Hawaiian blessing, ho'oponopono, same thing. Love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I pulled this out of the uh, curriculum yesterday. I was working with the students. We had a workshop on spiritual mind treatment, and I thought it was wonderful. It says, if we only approach our life and our wants mentally, we miss the rich experience of our spiritual life. Ernest Holmes said that we must enter the silence. Ernest said the silence is within us, not in the outer world. It is upon us to find the silence and experience it. It is in the silence of our being that we come to recognize the distinction between the forms or physical wants and needs in our lives and the ultimate purpose and the meaning of our lives. And thus we free ourselves to treat for that which brings us peace, joy, love, harmony, true prosperity, etc. It's a wonderful song I want to sing with you right now. This is a day of letting go. And as we sing this song, I'm going to ask Brown to come on up. We're going to, I, want to, I want you to join me in this. And I'm going to ask Suzanne to put the words up if she can. And we all know this song. And so this side gets to sing. There was a time. The, let me get my note. There was a time in my life, there was a time in my life. And then you get to answer. 
There was a time in my life. Okay, you ready? There was a time in my life. There was a time in my life. Thought I had to do it all for myself. The words are up there. Sing it with me. Didn't know. Let's all stand up and sing this. Come on. Let's come alive. Didn't know the grace of God was sufficient. Didn't know the love of God was at hand. But now I can say, if you are discouraged, struggling just to make it through another day. Come on up your choir. You got to let it go. Let it all go, go, go. And this is what I have to say. I release and I let go. I let the Spirit run my life. And my heart is open wide. Yes, I'm only here for God. No more struggle, no more strife. In my faith I see the light. I am Nice. Thank you. All right. And blessings. And so it is.